Once again, with one more episode of our zine review. Today is Sunday, so hopefully this episode is going to go out sooner rather than later. Um, I am located now in Northern Ireland because of work. And I am in Toronto. Yes. <laughs> so why we're doing this Yes, we are, we are using we're using Zoom. <laughs> so one of the things that we're we're doing, trying to do, is that I'm trying to review zines that are located or written in the UK or Ireland, some somewhere around here. And Zai is gonna try to review every time zines that were or are located or written or created in North America, aka the United States and or Canada, preferably Canada, but it's fine. Whatever. We welcome anybody. So also if there are our friends from Spain want to send something to expat, so that would be great. I don't mind. <laughs> you know, it's closer than Canada, but it's fine. It's fine. But the UK would be first. So that being said, um, uh, I'm going to start with my review um, of the signs that I picked for uh, the zines already, the zines that I picked this week's for from the UK. And the first thing that I did, because I arrived exactly a month ago uh, to the to Northern Ireland. So the first thing I did was to reach out to folks on our Instagram to see if anybody know about uh, people who are doing zines in the UK or Ireland. You know, there's, I'm glad that some people sent me some links from Dublin. Glasgow, London, Liverpool, etc. So, so it's good to know that there is a zine. But, and if any of you know something in Belfast, I, I would like to know because I, as far as I know, I, I don't know much uh, here, but I will find out. Maybe I am the person who's going to start the zine, the zine zine in Belfast, but I think there must be somebody already doing something. Just let us know. So that being said, I got in touch with this person Um. Uh, her name is Haley Wells, and I believe she's located in uh, um, England. And she sent me two zines that I really love them. So I'm going to speak uh, of the first zine because, as everybody knows, Expat likes the zines that are mainly graphic or they have some kind of drawings etc so the first one is called iceberg ice and it has a little slash and berg iceberg and it's illustrated by Haley wells it is a mini zine it's a very small and it has a few pages not much of the text it is uh, in the in the mini zine but it's very well done. It's in black and white, or I would say gray and white-ish paper. Um, I love it. And when I was looking at the, at the cover of the zine, right, I, I was just thinking of the idea of an iceberg and what comes to my mind 
when I look at an iceberg, and two things come to my mind. Number one is ice and cold, dark places, but also the idea that there are things that we see, but there are also a lot of things that we don't see in general terms. Mm -hmm. Let's say about people. So there are things that we see and we know about people on the surface, but we don't know a lot of things about people uh, in the deep, in deeply, right? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes we don't know because we don't pay attention to what's going on under, right? And then this is it, that we only see this little thing standing out of the water, but we don't know all these magnificent things that are happening underneath. But it also means that if you don't pay attention to what is happening there, you can hit the iceberg and sink, drown, and die. So with this in mind, I am entering into this zine, looking at the front cover, which is the top of the iceberg only. And that's what evokes me, that idea of this is only one of the many things that we see in people in general, right? So what I'm going to do is, because this is a very uh, small and short zine, I'm just going to read the whole, all the pages. So this is Iceberg Haley Wells Illustrator. And it says, sometimes I feel like an iceberg. Turn the page. Frozen and drifting in a warm and swirling ocean. Ships shudder at the sight of me, setting course for warmer shores. Perhaps the unknown would sink them. Perhaps the unknown would sing them. So that's it. That's the only thing. It's like, a, I would say it's like a little poem that I really like it, especially the, la the last part, which says, perhaps the unknown would, would sing them. And that's the message that I get from this um, mini zine is sometimes we don't see things from people that may hurt. And... Mm -hmm those things may hurt us and make us sink. And we don't want that. So what is necessary is to try to dig, it, dig a little bit more on people and go beyond the surface. So we don't sink. So we don't drown on the waters of uncertainty. And I love it because it also, in the picture, you can see a boat that is going around the iceberg so in a sense what it suggests to me is that you are the boat and you are supposed to pay attention to the surface first but also to keep in mind that there is a, a something underneath that may hurt you so you can just go around and then survive so it's a little metaphor that i took it to that level but i i really love it and I'm glad that uh, Haley sent me this um, this in. So that's it for me, and that's my first sort of review uh, related to this. 
So let's hear from Zai and your zine. Um, the zine being talked about today is called Trash Queen, Favorite Finds and Notes from Dumpster Diving by Anissa Ramhani. The zine is quarter size with black and white photograph back and front cover. It features a femme presenting light-skinned person wearing a dress, has on an Oscar the Grouch mask, and isn't wearing shoes while sitting on a dumpster. And this is on the front cover. The back cover shows them posing with a mixed recycling bin and garbage-only bin. It's typed in computer font and is 15 pages. What I like about this zine is, one, it's it's an eco-friendly zine. Um, environmentally friendly. And two uh, is the photography. It's really eye-catching, even in black and white. So it's simple, yet alluring to the eyeballs. Yes, they were captivated. Three, it talks about trash, trash shifting and dumpster diving. Uh, favorite finds from treasure hunting undamaged and in perfect condition and how folks toss items into the trash instead of donating these imperfect condition finds. And for myself, I've also seen in perfect condition items tossed out so that um, newer items can replace it. This seems to be an ongoing thing. Um, and I'll read, a, I'll read some pages from this scene. 2019 was a year of trash sifting and dumpster diving for me. I hate waste, and I've always been the type to pick up stray objects left around town. At times at the displeasure of old roommates. Apologies, my dudes. In 2019, I doubled down and consciously sought out knick-knack paddy wax. It started soon after a chronic pain episode meant I had to take an unpaid month off work. The sudden interruption in my livelihood was stressful. I started participating more in trading culture and trying to find ways to get around capitalism. During that short period, I found some amazing things but I pumped the brakes after I realized all this stuff was taking over my small apartment. I find clutter stressful and I keep things perhaps longer than I should. All that plus the rate I was accumulating wasn't exactly a recipe for wellness. Soon, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> soon after COVID-19 added a health risk. So I put my dumpster diving days behind me for now. Here are some of my favorite finds from my treasure hunting days. There's a photo, there's like a, a photo of um, a message from someone's phone that says, I told myself I'd stop sifting through trash, but I just found three Apple TVs. So the universe is sending me very mixed signals. It's frustrating how much of what I found in is in perfect condition and could and should have been donated. Countless pieces of furniture, clothing, electronics, kitchenware, baby items, musical instruments, camera, and sporting equipment all tossed in the trash, despite a number of thrift stores and shelters within walking distance. 
Not everything can be reused, but what I've seen has been wasteful and irresponsible. During the holiday season, I found three fully wrapped presents in the trash. Wrapped, bows and all. I wish I'd taken a photo of this, but each one had a monogram mug inside filled with little goodies like pizza scented stickers. My guess is that they were party favors left over from an, an event and someone just tossed them. When I told my coworker about it, she speculated it was the work of a stressed out mother who just lost it, chucked the gifts in the trash while yelling, Christmas is canceled. I like her version better. Anissa's zine can be found at uh, anissaramhani.com or anissaramhani at gmail.com is her contact info. And their contact info, along with photos of their zine, will be added to our social media. Well, thank you so much, Zai, for that interesting topic about dumpster diving. And whenever we review zines, I find it fascinating that it always evokes or reminds of something in my life. And for me, this topic, the topic of uh, your zine, Zai, reminds me two things. One, I was born and raised in a country in Latin America in a specific um, marginalized city. And, you know, a lot of people pick up things from the trash because... For it's it's a, it's a way of surviving, right? So it's, it's the only choice they have, mm -hmm. and that's it. Now, when I live in the United States for the first time for the first few weeks, when I live in Chicago, I remember clearly walking in the streets and I saw a TV, uh, working TV it was it was not new, obviously, but it was working, and I brought it home. And it was working. And I say, how can people throw these things? It's working in perfect condition. Obviously, it's not new. It's not like the old last brand or anything, like the you know the newest brand or anything. But it was working, and I used it for a few days or so. And then my roommate one day noticed. And I said, why did you pick that up? And I said, well, why not? It was in the street. I mean, it's like, I, I don't understand why people throw these in my country. Nobody throws a TV. To this day, Zai... I visited my mother a few months back and she still has the TV that I bought with my first salary 22 years ago. I bought it in 2000, in the year 2000 with my first salary, like a huge TV, you know, like it was like a big square or cube. She still has it and it's still working. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that, that a lot of people dump these things because of the obsolete obsolete uh, creation mm -hmm. and things like that because of capitalism has done it right but also yes. what fascinates me the most is people in north america and uh, developing countries or not developed countries i would say have this hobby of dumpster driving because it's, it's fun it's cool it's nice it's great to recycle it's great to 
to be against capitalism. But at the end of the day, it's not about choice and it's not about survival. It just demonstrates the privilege that you get and that you have to do mm-hmm. such a thing, to make a statement, which is great, right? I mean, you don't have to go dumpster dive because in a sense, if you're hungry, you can always go to a shelter. You can always go to a um, um, food bank. You can go to a church. You can go to your mm-hmm. friends and they give you a piece of meal, a meal, right? But these are things that in developing countries or poor countries, this cannot happen. People in the streets are doing this because they need to. So I'm not against this dumpster diving at all. And I'm definitely not against the person who wrote this in because that's not my purpose. My purpose is to uh, express my opinion and what I think about these topics to make us be a little bit more critical, not to you or to me, but to our audience as well. Where is this? Because I see things from a global perspective. I don't see things from from Toronto, Canada, or from Chicago, or from Bogota, Colombia, or from say, Mexico City, or from Shanghai, or from Belfast, or from London in England. I see things at a global scale. How does this mm-hmm. look, right? And where it's coming from, and yes, Definitely, this helps us understand that there is a big system of capitalism that has put us in this situation in which you go to a McDonald's or you go to a Tim Hortons in Canada or to a Dunkin' Donuts, and then at the end of the day, they throw away the, the food that they couldn't sell. They throw it away. There's like a little basket in the back. They throw it away. They cannot. They told me one person one day told me we cannot give away the donuts or the or the bagels because that's a liability. That means that if let's say if I go at 8 p.m. and then I give you away this free free bagel, but let's say for whatever reason you get intoxicated, then you're gonna sue us and then that's gonna cost us millions of dollars. So for that reason. Some companies, some restaurants, some of these uh, places, they throw it away instead of giving it away. And that's why people like the the one that you're describing today from Juzine, they are able to do the dumpster diving because they know, and I know there are TV shows about that. I've seen them before, that they are these uh, diving dumpsters or divers, I guess, dumpster divers, dumpster divers, I guess. I've seen them, and it's because this is this happens in the United States and Canada. That restaurants throw the food in the back in a little bag, and then dumpsters divers they just go there and grab it, and because it's almost fresh, right? It's not gonna go bad within hours, so they go there and eat it. But then they cannot give it away upfront because, like I said, if I give it to you and then you have an allergy or whatever, and then you die or you get sick, then you can sue us. So it's about a li- it's about litigation. But anyways, I don't want to make this longer than it is because at the end of the day, this is also a, a zine review, but I also don't <laughs> want the zine reviews to say to talk about just the zine or the person who created the zine, but also to discuss the issues related to the zine. But I'm going to shut up for a second because I know maybe Zai has something to say about this. Um, well, I like the zine because it, it talks about how folks live in in excess, in such excess that they're, they 
they toss out um, brand new items. And yeah, that's, that's an issue that I see happening around, especially around where I live. Yes, I hear you. Yeah. And then don't get it wrong. Love this, these kind of zines because these allow us, us, you and me, but also others who purchase these type of zines to think and critically question and interrogate the systems that we live in. That's what I love zines. That's the type of zines that I like that help us question the system. And I love the one that you're saying, uh, sorry, the one that you reviewed today because of that. It helped us to say the reason why this is happening is because there is a capitalist system that is focusing on excess and buying yes. and well, selling and throwing away. Well, then there's also the, the, the um, thing where instead of donating it to like, let's say, um, donating them to like, let's say Value Village, where someone who can get a brand new TV for like $10, who can't afford a TV for like $500, um, who's making very limited income, or is uh, at poverty level, this is like something also to be considered too. Yes, um, all of this has to do with being an egocentric, egoistic, and materialistic mm -hmm. society. And for me, this is no other than a horrific way of living, right? What a horrific way of living in which we depend on what we consume. Mm -hmm. And speaking of horror, my second zine <laughs> that I will be reviewing has to do with horror mm. and it's about the, it's the title like of the scene it's body horrors and it's by the same person Haley Wells and I picked it up because I also like horror movies mm. and there's this subgenre of horror movies that is called body horror movies, which is body horror related to biological horror as well, that intentionally showcases very grotesque or psychologically disturbing violations of the human body. And I am fascinated by those type of movies, you know. And there are so many to mention, but just to give you an, an, an um uh example the human centipede is one uh and most of the horror body horror movies are like low budget b series that a lot of people don't like or a lot of people don't like watching because they are so grotesque so to like speak the human, like the human centipede yeah 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 exactly i mean there are others out there i'm just showing telling you the one that i that many many people might know but there are others that are related about the manipulation of your body or the, or the laceration of your body or how you violate your, 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 your body in an aberrant way, like through sex, through mutations, through mutilation, through zombification, through violence, through disease, through many different types of things. So 
I, I so this scene got my attention because of that. And this is a one quarter, one quarter, one, two, three, yes, one quarter uh, page of zine. Again, black and white or brown, uh, sorry, uh, gray and white zine. And one interesting thing that I noticed here in the UK is that they use a different size of, mm -hmm. of paper, you know, legal paper and these types of sizes is a little bit bigger than the, the ones that we are used to in the United States and Canada. I forgot the name of this. I mean, we, we are used to use letter, but I think it's, I forgot the name of the, the type of size of the, of the paper that we use in Canada. And here is a little bit bigger. So I'm saying it's a quarter size of their size. So the Body Horrors by Haley Wells, it's precisely, a, a, I would say, like a narrative. And I'm going to read the intro and another section that is called a man thing. So the first page says really quick, I write as a form of self-care, as a way of exposing and dissecting the transient parts of myself, the shadowy depths of my subconscious. These texts were collected after I noticed recurring themes in my work, Manipulated and mutilated bodies, slaughterhouses, and animalistic instincts, bloody, visceral horror. It won't come as much of a surprise, really, when I say that my favorite genre is horror and that my favorite subgenre is body horror, similar like me. It is the genre that most closely reflects my everyday existence. I feel constant discomfort within my own gangly, ill-fitting body, constant disgust at uh, dismembered animal bodies where all traces of violence are obscured to the untrained eye, constant fear that one day I too will be preyed upon, bodies are intimate and strange and gory by their very nature and try as we might, we cannot escape them except through the inevitable. Perhaps that is why I must confront not just the shadows, but the monstrous forms that cast them too. And then the second part that I want to read, which is related to me, it says a man thing. Aren't horror movies more of a man thing? Gina or Gina says between mouthfuls of popcorn, I have just presented her with the most depraved and despicable taste from my collection eager to choose our Friday night double bill. What do you mean, I say, half listening as I up not, not tonight's delectable offerings, a smorgasbord of gore, bootleg video nasties from the back room of the local corner shop, some still nestled in their brown paper bags. Aren't they for the psychologically disturbed, you know, People with cruel fantasies or violent tendencies, people who get their kicks out of watching others suffer, potential murders, that sort of thing. Ah, yes, I say, in the sense, I suppose you're right. And Haley continues um, with a couple more of these type of uh, writings. Mm -hmm. We assume that horror and specifically the goriest of all horrors are supposed to be for the man. Those who are really tough and cruel. <laughs> But body horror movies are, you know, a lot of 
people in general don't like them because it's too too much, too much of blood and too much of violence. And yeah. and it's hard to find people who who resonates with you. And I've been like I've been I've been watching horror movies since like the early 90s, since the reanimator, since Hellraiser. Uh, in yeah. I don't know Phantasm and you name it. Anyways, there are so many that I could name, but this is not my time. It is just about Haley's time. So I'm gonna stop for now. So this week, <laughs> our Instagram shout out. It's a UK based um, Instagram, which is at Femicide Zine by okay. Imarni. Pronounce she her Riot Girl intersectional feminist and art zine made by Irmai Online at Irmai Online. Feminicide.card C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. And uh, the reason why I love this one specifically, I want to tell you in a moment because I've been following them. Um, feminicide. Um, one of the reasons why I follow them is because they, they they have this style of making zines are you know, like cut up, cutting these little pieces of words or letters and putting them all together to make their art. So that's one thing that I that I like. And it looks like they have a podcast as well. And the one that I'm looking at right now, it says the alpha male podcast problem. <laughs> Real quotes from Alpha Male podcast spoken with no thought <laughs> how much damage they can actually cause. Stop letting random men make podcasts. Well, <laughs> now I feel I've been, I'm being called now. Oh, no, because I, I don't think I am an Alpha Male, to be honest with you. I'm, I, may, I might be an, an Omega Male or a, I don't know, something that is I not think, even, I think they're called uh, Sigma males. Something like that. Something that is not alpha or not beta either. Just something outside of the box of the of the males. Yeah. So I like it because the way they put it, see the, the alpha male problem, real quotes from alpha male podcasts spoken mm-hmm. with no thought to how much damage they can actually cause. Stop letting random men make podcasts. <laughs> it's so interesting. But it, it's fine. I, I like it. I like their, their artwork. I like the things that they've been doing. Mm-hmm. And I always, like I said, I always, as a, as a cisgender straight guy, I always like myself to step out of my comfort zone, my boxes. And it's about, you know, highlighting and amplifying the word of folks uh, who are doing an amazing work. So I was just going to click on the, on the, on the links and they have resources if you want to check on the resources related to riot girl resources you can go to the etsy store as well and we will put in all the information on our social media they have the femicide volume three ready to sell uh issue number three and i'm uh, uh, i mean because they are based here in the uk i'm probably gonna be buying this one from you yeah that's probably the next one i'm gonna be reviewing next time so that's the instagram shout out and then we're gonna have a zai with your second review um this next zine being talked about is called telegram number 42 by miranda elizabeth and it was done autumn 2016. 
This zine is quarter size typed in black and white photocopy and is 22 pages. What I like about this zine is Miranda's writing. It is very raw, personal zine. And there is so much said in just 22 pages. Uh, there's an intro on the first page that I'll read. Telegram 42 is about city magic, befriending loneliness, borderline feelings, crip days and crip grief and crip love, crying, undereducated writers and crazy people, connecting my high school dropout lineage to creativity and survival, ableism and loss, discussing chronic suicidal, suicidality, asking whose stories are valued and why, imagining freaking out as leading to re-invitations rather than isolation and shame and gossip and politicizing recovery. Um, I'll read some more pages from this scene and it'll be more than I usually read as this scene involves ableism, BPD, which is borderline personality disorder, suicide, recovery, and complex trauma to name a few. I'm overwhelmed, overwhelmed at all the brilliant art queer and trans folks are making and I wish poverty and sickness and madness weren't such extreme barriers to supporting artists and creators to being an artist and creator. As usual, poverty and sickness and madness are the reason I write and make art. And the things that prevent me from writing and making art or participating in community. I've written about this before, but I keep coming back to it. Sometimes when I've ended up in the hospital, what I was really looking for was a place where I could have a temporary respite from the real world and write, but writing retreats cost money. Hospitals don't, not here. And I, and I keep having this conversation with mental health professionals. Have you tried writing? Many, not that there were many, of the recommendations I was given for un-slash-educated crazy women were written before it was expected of women to go to school and by women with privilege and wealth. Virginia Woolf, for example, who I like, of course, but who was definitely not the kind of writing I was looking for. And many, most, of the few recommendations I was given were, of course, white, which was what I expected. Because if one were undereducated and crazy and writing, white privilege and white supremacy would make a significant difference in accessing traditional publishing venues. It would, does, also, of course, afford one different options for diagnosis, for recovery. Mental health costs money. Institutional racism, sexism, queerphobia, etc. Impact who is diagnosed with what and how. Who gets to access the kinds of treatment slash care they wish to use and how. Who gets to share their stories with who and how. I used to go to more workshops. I used to be able to. It was when I was less sick. It was when my rent was cheaper. I very rarely held onto connections through these places, very rarely created or participated in networks because madness, 
because sickness, because poverty, but I did retain information, questions, skills, stories that I still use today. I miss being able to be in those spaces to feel challenged and creative, to feel possibilities. Recovery has countless potential definitions. At this moment for me, recovery means or involves recognizing that the struggle is not mine alone, and the recovery is political. If trauma is an injury, multiple injuries. I'll make you lick my injuries to the imagination. Part of my process is redeveloping my imagination and cultivating what I've termed misfit spirituality. It means redefining pain and time, giving new meanings to words, wounds, worlds. It means continuing to analyze how class, race, gender, etc. affect who is diagnosed with BPD in particular, since that's where my feelings are, but other mental illnesses and forms of madness too, and what recovery options are available. Recovery means beginning to know who I am without comparing myself, my art, my writing, or my feelings slash recovery to anybody else's, or if I must compare, to do so in a way that is productive and non-judgmental. For example, continuing to develop and share an analysis of and feelings about intersectionality and access and madness and talking about privilege, oppression, white supremacy, capitalism, etc. Earlier this summer, I went to my first queer social event in nine months as an example of what chronic illness, disability, and isolation looked like for me. That was lonely enough in itself to hold that, but I, then I snuck out of the event early without acknowledging anybody because my lonely grief felt too big to cope with in that particular space. So I escaped. I walked home through an alley while crying and texting my sister about loneliness and art and the impossibility of friendship. While I sat on a curb digging through my backpack, a stranger asked if I needed help. No. Oh, I just saw your cane and thought maybe. Strangers often ask me if I need help when I don't or get in my way when I don't, but ignore me when I do. But I cried again at finally being asked. I need help, but you can't help me. I wish you were somebody else. And then on page 21, there they have written here uh, a few reasons to live. I want to see my hair turn gray. I'm not done writing. I'm not done reading. I'm not done feeling. I don't want ableism or loneliness to kill me. I don't want poverty to kill me. I don't want people who've hurt me to see me die, except for sometimes when I do. My life slash death wouldn't slash couldn't be fully understood. I'm not done writing about chronic suicidal, suicidal idity. <laughs> I, wow, I need to finish my novel. Libraries make me want to live. And if I'm feeling hurt, angry, devastated, or triggered, I say to myself, I won't make any decisions today. Miranda Elizabeth is a writer, zinster, identical twin, solitary weirdo, witch, high school dropout, non-binary, amethyst, femme, feminist, goth, cane user, and recovering alcoholic with five plus years sober. 
They write about feelings, madness, disability, and magic, recovering with border personality disorder, complex trauma, and fibromyalgia, writing and creativity, friendship, witchcraft, and tarot, self-care, support, and support with a dollar sign instead of an S. Surviving poverty and embracing weirdness. They've been writing zines for over a decade and have published an anthology. Telegram, a collection of 20, 27 issues and a novel, Ragdale House. And they also have, I believe, two other books that they've written as well. Uh, Miranda can be found on MirandaElizabeth.com, Patreon.com slash Miranda Elizabeth, MirandaElizabeth.medium.com or Etsy.com slash shop slash school for maps. And if you read Miranda's writing, please support their work and compensate them. Miranda's info along with photos of the zine will be shared on our social media. Thank you, Zai, for talking about this important topic related to ableism, poverty, that those are the topics that I love the most. Like going back to my original topic of questioning and interrogating why is that we are uh, on this planet and what are we doing, especially for those people who have been at the margins. And ableism is one of the many things that that we we have in society that does not allow folks to live. And yes. your zine review made me think of what are the reasons for me, expat, to live? And one of the many reasons for me to live is to do this podcast with you. And zines in general, all my life, mm-hmm. have helped me. Uh, whenever there is a struggle, I either read zines for pleasure or make zines to help me cope with different difficulties that I have been through in my life. And I know I'm not the only one because I have heard a lot of folks in the zine zine that these have helped so many people uh, in difficult times. And I am glad to know that we are able to help folks out there, even if you're listening to this podcast or you creating a zine or you sharing a zine or you exchanging trading zines, et cetera, helps you to survive. That's that's a good goal that we have for everybody here, right? And then I know there is like a famous button that says, zines save my life. Yeah. Yeah, like zines save lives. I think that's... Exactly. That's so, so if anybody is listening to this, make sure to go to Zai's Etsy account because they have... <laughs> buttons to, to sell. put it up i still have to put it up <laughs> just so you know at some point these buttons are gonna come up yeah and you have to i want you to be ready to buy the zine save lives <laughs> there's also a, a pin that says uh queer zine saved my life okay so is there anything else i know zai is gonna talk about for the last part of the podcast uh, about the um what is it called? The International... Yeah. International Zine Month. Okay, so we're in the International Zine Month. Tell us a little bit about it. For 31 days of 
One of the prompts for July 10th is write a letter or message to a zinster, just a quick note to let them know you appreciate them. Um, I was doing this and then I stopped because some stuff started happening over here. Um, but there are also bonuses to do if um, for those who are interested and there's still time to to participate in international zine month there is no right or wrong way to participate in international zine month there is no right or wrong way to make a zine um or to make arts and i'm just going to read some of the the bonuses for international zine month you could read a zine a day do the 24 hour zine thing make a zine to your skill level in 24 hours Write or draw a page a day to make a zine or comic at the end of the month. This, these prompts were put on by Stolen Sharpie Revolution. And you can find them at www.stolensharpierevolution.org. Nice. Speaking about zines and speaking about the prompt that you mentioned, um, I'm going to do a last shout out because okay. they sent us an email, sorry, a text on Instagram and I think it's important. Um, so a shout out to the Zineville folks, Zineville, which you can get at Instagram at, at Zineville, Zine, V-I-L-L-E. And it's a platform about zines, reviews, zine, zine fest tours, interviews, do it yourself. So if you are a zinester or a showrunner, they would like to cover you. Mm -hmm. They have recently changed the name from, I think, Zine Cuisine. Uh, now they are rebranding and doing things way better, you know, with new episodes and everything. So we are pro-supporting, helping each other. So go ahead and go to Zineville and check them out because they have awesome things to share with you and with everybody. And let's keep the ball rolling about Zine. Make sure to uh, make zines all the time, read zines, support the uh, folks out there, make sure to buy them, share them, trade them, do whatever you need to do to support the zine. We do our little bit. This is Expat. And this is I. And this is the Zine Zone. Zine Zone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a wonderful rest of the week. <laughs>